Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? It's going all right. It's been a pretty busy week this it's week. It's been a crazy considered. week, yeah. like, TV-wise. TV-wise, yes. But also, I found out that my movers will take 10 business days to get my... Maybe. What? So I had to push up my move date, and I'm going to be living in an empty apartment for two weeks. Okay. That's very yeah. interesting. That, that really, like, defines, like, what do I need every day? Yes. <laughs> And it's an air mattress and my clothes. Yeah, that sounds about right. That, yeah. that seems about right. Well, it's a big news, a big news week for TV, and that's going to continue next week as we get into upfronts. Uh, but the biggest news for us is we're going to Clexicon, Noel. Yes, we are. Schedule and finances permitting, we're going to Clexicon. Why don't you tell people what Clexicon is in case they haven't been following all the favorites and retweets we've been getting? Yeah. Well, Clexicon <laughs> is a convention. That That'll be happening next year, March 3rd to the 5th in Vegas, and it's by and for Klexa fans. So fans of the, the 100 and, uh, or I should say the 100, that such a faux pas there, um, and fans of the character of Lexa and the Clark and Lexa relationship, and just as a way to memorialize that character. Obviously, you know, big fans of the show will know that is the anniversary of her on-screen death. Um, and so it, it's just a weekend to celebrate that that couple, celebrate the show, celebrate um, representation in fandom. And we were invited to come be guests. So we are very excited to be headed out to Vegas next year. Yes. No, it should be uh, pretty exciting. I've never actually been to Vegas. So me neither. That'll be interesting. Oh, great. So neither of us have been to Vegas. Well, <laughs> we're just going to gamble away all our savings then on Blackjack. That'll be fantastic. No, uh, I'm very excited to be going, and I was very pleased that we were both asked to attend. Um, considering I, I, it's just another sign that I'm still really overwhelmed by the response to the podcast that we did with Mo Ryan. That it's resonating enough that they asked us to come and do this. Absolutely, I was just sort of like us. Yay! Okay, sure. Yeah. Are, are you sure? Is there like yes. some miscommunication? No, that was my response as well. I was just like. Really? You want you want us? <laughs> I mean, we talk about the hundred, you know, not infrequently, but it's like yeah. it's not like this is a hundred fan podcast. So yeah, that is that was yeah. again very touching to be asked, and I'm looking forward to. I mean, Doctor Elizabeth Bridges is going to be there. There's some other guests that that have already been announced, um, and that'll continue, I imagine, to develop over the next several months. But uh, but no, I just look forward to kind of sitting back and listening to other people talk and just kind of experiencing this fandom and uh, the impact of Klexa to, to, you know, which is clearly this is uh, a character and a relationship that means a lot to a lot of people. And I'm sure that we'll also get have a wider scope to other shows and other other fandoms as well. So I, I look forward to it. And hey, in-person Televerse, I'm stoked. Yeah, that'll be really exciting. Absolutely. Um, there are a few other things. Oh, and you can so you can go to Clexicon.com for more information. And yes, this is a real thing. <laughs> yes, that, that was odd. That was an odd question that kept getting asked about whether or not this was 
actually real. Yeah. <laughs> now, we are not organizing this. We are not, not in charge yeah. of this. But to our knowledge, this is a real thing. I hope it's a real thing. I've been telling people it's a real thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Go check it out and see if you're interested. Because uh, I know that we are looking forward to it. But there, outside of Clexicon, there has been a lot of news this week. Um, a big one for me, at least, is so far I'm only half a liar. Because Supergirl has been renewed. It will yes. be over at the CW next year rather than CBS. And I'm sure we have some thoughts on that. But they still have not renewed Limitless. And I, I just acknowledge this is my fault, Noel. It is your fault. You were all, no, they renewed Limitless, I promise. And then three weeks later, I was wrong. And now it's just <laughs> like, we don't even know. It's like one of like four shows that were on that haven't gotten a anything yet yeah it's very strange now it's been a rather obviously we were very excited about uh at least i was about supergirl also american crime i don't think either of us expected that to be back i really did not at all yeah and as much as i am saddened at the 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 loss of um uh, of uh agent carter and gallivant i I don't think we expected those to come back We, we would have loved if they had but i don't think either of us expected those shows to get renewed no, no, there was no way that that was going to happen, um, just ratings-wise and everything. I think the other big thing that is that came out of all of this, apart from Supergirl moving to the CW, um, was apparently there's a Good Wife spinoff happening on CBS All Access with Christine Baranski and Kush Jumbo, to which we all went, what? <laughs> to be continued in the drama section. We yeah, have no, thoughts about that finale. But, but still, it was a very weird type of situation. And also very weird is that Fox decided to pick up Sleepy Hollow. What? For some... You didn't see that? No. Yeah, no, they picked up Sleepy Hollow for another season. And we all went, wait, what? Why? <laughs> that explains Mo's tweet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's a little inside baseball there. For some of our listeners, um, yeah, that is that is very bizarre to me. Um, but hey, you know what? Power to them. Um, maybe someone will watch without Abby. I wasn't watching before they got rid of their female yeah. lead, so I I really can't speak to it. Yeah, neither can I. I mean, I bailed pretty. I bailed before season two even finished. So, uh, but I based on the response and everything, I just I think it's just another sign that. Fox is desperate for anything. Yeah. And CBS is desperate for anything because they're just like, yeah, we're going to do this MacGyver series that we didn't like the first pilot for or the second pilot for, but we're going to give it a series order anyway and replace all the creatives except for two of the actors. And I just went, but you guys can't make a decision about Limitless, but you're going to third time's the charm for a MacGyver reboot. Apparently so. Well, I, I, I will say uh, that... I am very interested in following the story of Diane Lockhart. So yes. I am on board for that spinoff. It's, if it's the Kings and if it's somebody else who knows what they're doing, who's going to be the day-to-day showrunner, because they will not be the day-to-day showrunners of that show. Um, and right. those two actors uh, who I know are fantastic uh, and two really interesting characters, then sure, why not? Um, thoughts on how they're going to... Get that show going in our drama section. Um, yeah, we'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. But um, otherwise, that really is the, the the those are the highlights I, and lowlights, I guess, for me for for the up upfronts this far. And the one the one show I'm waiting to hear about is Limitless. Everything else, I'm just yeah. sort of oh okay, you know, sort of as as the news trickles in. 
Yeah, same, same. Well, this week on the podcast, uh, we will be we have plenty of discussion of the finales and there's some other really interesting TV happening this week, Um, but we will not have a DVD shelf segment. Instead, I'm including the audio or playing for you guys the audio of the Star Trek fantasy draft that I did at DePaul's uh, Celebration of Star Trek. And this will be actually in a separate file in your podcast feed because it's like a full hour. Um, Very glad to be joined by Jody Lynn Nye and John Clark and Sean Kelly and Caroline Sita and Gordon Damowski uh, for that. And again, you can find information on them in the uh, in the show notes. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that segment. It was a lot of fun to, to record. So hopefully that comes through for y'all. But that's going to be, again, as I say, in a separate podcast uh, episode in your feed. For now, we've got so much, especially like we're going to go so long on this, this finale. I guess not all the finales, but Certain of these finales, we're going to be talking for a while. Yeah, drama is just going to just, I would just strap yourselves in, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now we will get started. We should get started. We'll take a break and come back with our week in reality and comedy. and comedy we're going to talk a little bit about the amazing race that's money honey before we both dive in with the carmichael show man's world blackish daddy drake hair and jane the virgin chapter 43 but first up we have the amazing race and we didn't talk about it last week um noel but we had to talk about the amazing race this week as we record the finale is practically airing but um by the time you guys hear this it will already have aired we'll have thoughts on that next week uh, but I went from, like, super on board with the season and really, you know, it doesn't really matter how it went, uh, you know, just kind of enjoying the ride, on board with all the teams, to pissed off because <laughs> I am so annoyed that that, I, that Bernie and Ashley are not in the final three, but two teams that I think don't deserve to be there are. It's, and it can't really blame anyone because of this episode but i'm so irritated i i was i was surprised how quickly i turned around from this season has been really great to this is bullshit (laughs) it felt i mean you can tell me this as someone who watches the amazing race much more often than i do is how much of this is like producer controlled or influenced because um, this kind of felt like an easy way to give Tyler and Cole the win. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing that I can say feels very producer influence at this point, which I don't think was always the case, is um, I, as I understand it, the producers are able to decide based on who's going to base who they think is going to be in last place, which rounds are going to be non-elimination rounds. Okay, that and, makes sense. And so they they're like certain ones where they know it makes more sense to do it or not do it and certain ones where they uh you know they, they know that the 
they should have it be an elimination, and certain ones where they know if we want to do, if we want to tweak things, this is a week where we can. And so having uh, Sherry and Cole get saved twice is not a coincidence as far as I'm concerned. And so then to see them squeak through here, it's just, it's just irritating because neither of these teams is going to be any kind of challenge for Tyler and Corey. And so that, for, for me, barring a, an upset, because they do every now and again screw up, um, I, I just don't really have a team I can root for because I don't think Sherry and Cole deserve it. I like them, but I don't think they deserve yeah. it. Uh, the dancers, maybe, but they can be. They can get kind of irritated. Like in general, I'm not like against them, but they but can get kind of irritated. They get a very bad edit. Yeah, yeah, and and Tyler and Corey. I mean, if they don't have anyone to be a legitimate foe to them, they just seem kind of smug and presumptive in their. And, and I can't blame them because no, they've done would, really well this season. Yeah, so I'm just I'm really having trouble, and I also feel like like Bernie and and Ashley just kind of got robbed second place like every time. Yeah, and uh, and then just out of things so so quickly. I don't know. I, I hope they come back in a future season. Like this, like they seem like a real legitimate choice to come back in a uh, people who just you know just got cut at the last minute kind of season. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I I also think that they didn't benefit from the challenge this week, considering that um, one of the one challenges... One was super easy, and one was impossible. Yes. And so, plus, I mean, Tyler teaming up with um, one of the dancers to finish the uh, round-the-world stamp thing. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's really nice of you guys. And it's such a... it's. I mean, you have to give it that it's a really strategic move to do that, since the dancers are not a good... are not much competition, as we were just talking about. So making sure that they got in gave them gave Tyler and Corey a weaker team to deal with in the finale, yeah. and that's that's really smart. But it's also just like, oh, but I I, I like that that other team. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't knock the strategy. Yeah. But it just makes for a less satisfying or interesting finale for me. So I'm I'll watch it obviously, sure. but obviously. I'm I'm not gonna rush to watch it. Yeah. And whereas I probably will, because after we're done, I'm going to, like, decide more books to donate to charity uh-huh. <laughs> while while I'm getting ready to do all the packing tomorrow. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, any other thoughts on, on this episode, on these challenges, or, you know, ho- hopes for the finale? No, uh, is the finale in L.A. again? I, somewhere in the U.S., that's all we know. Okay, all right. Uh-huh. I remember one time, it, I remember I watched it the season, it was in Atlanta, and I just went, ha, ha, you guys are going to the wrong dump. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. yeah, I always enjoy following, because as you go through, you can tell which countries they're not going to go to based on where the Travelocity, like, trips are to. There are always mm-hmm. the countries that they don't actually right. go to on the race. And, uh, and so trying to get a sense of where they might be headed back to, I don't or just kind of guessing and, and playing with that. Like, is it going to be New York? Is it going to be L.A.? Is it going to be somewhere else? Yeah. Um, can, can be fun. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just don't really see there being an interesting or satisfying outcome to the season other than Tyler and Corey win, but we knew they were going to, so... Yeah. Yeah. It they, they played a really good game, though. If they do win, they played a really good game. It's theirs yeah. to lose. It's theirs to lose. And if they don't win, then I don't care because that means that they screwed it up and they deserve to lose. So, 
<laughs> Anyways, I'm I'm surprised how bitter I am about this. No, I did I not expect. Too. You've you've done a serious 180 on this season. Oh yeah, huge, huge. Uh, let us know, listeners, what you think about this. Maybe it's just me, but uh, yeah. Anyways, I want to move on. I want to move on to the happier thoughts. So, next up is the Carmichael Show, which honestly, no, this was just a gift for us, right? Man's yeah, world. no, totally. Yeah, yeah. I watched this episode and went, oh. It's 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 like they it's like they wrote an episode just for us. Well, how do you think they did? Uh, I thought it was an okay episode overall. Um, if only because I watched the episode and went, "Wow, I can't even I can't change a tire, and I wouldn't be able to retile a roof." So, <laughs> what does that make me exactly? Apart from useless. <laughs> Whereas I feel like I've never had to change a tire, but I know how, and I feel like I could make it happen if I needed to. Yeah. And I definitely have been involved in roofing. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have definitely been up. I have a I have a heights thing, so mm-hmm. I haven't done a lot of it. But yeah, I I know the basics of how to roof something, and I have contributed to the re-roofing of my my family home so yeah what does that say about the carmichael show's thoughts on gender (laughs) (laughs) uh it's it it says that it for us it says that gender is a very fluid thing and that a lot of these things are just very constructed which is which is what the show's getting at as well they're just like men and women don't have tasks that they're one's better at or the other Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really significant thing to say it's not necessarily a new thing to say for a sitcom yeah um but it's nice to still see it said and i enjoyed that maxine got to be a little frazzled this this week which was probably the best part about this episode was her just getting progressively more annoyed at her inability to change the tire yeah well i also really liked when gerard's mom is like hey you know what feminism is about choice i choose to do these things that you consider stereotypically uh you know feminine uh, and that is a-okay because that's exactly what, you know, third wave feminism is all about. So I thought I really enjoyed that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Um, I'm always like third wave feminism always kind of makes me a little itchy just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I think there are a couple of, pro- there are some ideological issues within it. Um, but I mean, that idea that isn't untrue either about the fact that it's very much about choice and how that functions and she's make that she's making the decision to be a mom and to be a wife and that sort of thing just in the same way that that woman's deciding to sunbathe completely naked yep hey (laughs) power to her that's what she wants to do um well we also had a very uh thematically relevant episode of blackish daddy dre care so dre is not usually the nurturer of the family and he gets put in charge of uh, caring for a household of sick children and his mom and Bo. Uh, so yes. w- what did you think of this one? Did it give you any flashbacks to, you know, particularly pathetic days at home growing up, like flaked out on the couch? Uh, sort of. Um, what I what I ran into is that I, I had um, divorced parents. So if I, if I was old enough to be home alone and sick, my mom left me home alone and sick. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> And I was just left to fend for myself. She'd come during like her planning period or, or lunch because she's a teacher. And so she would swing by, check to make sure I was still alive and then go back to work. Um, I was very rarely sick with my dad because he'd have to like drive into Atlanta to do work and stuff. So he couldn't like stay at the house or anything. 
So I was always kind of left to my own devices when I was sick, which I think made me extra pitiful now. <laughs> um, but you've been sick this week. And so was this like a big thing where how, how are you when you're sick? Do you need like people to take care of you or are you pretty self-sufficient? I, I think I'm usually pretty, pretty self-sufficient, but uh, I'm the kind of sick person who will like forget I need to eat until mm -hmm. like it's. Till I'm very hungry and I'm already kind of out of it because I'm sick and I'm just going like, what do we have in the house? Is there soup? <laughs> you know, or like how much energy is going to be more energy walking somewhere or paying extras for delivery uh, and that kind of a thing. So, uh, sure. you know, so, so when when my family or friends uh, pick up that I'm sick and like remember to like bring over some soup or something that you usually I'm like oh, I wouldn't have asked you to do that but I'm so glad you did <laughs> so kind of a little but, both so your family isn't like going to meet you and do like shots of cough syrup and a martini mixer like Dre was doing which was yeah. I think just really great I really enjoyed <laughs> the montage of him being Dre as a caregiver yeah, no, that was fun. Uh, no, I've never done shots of cough syrup, I must say. Uh, but we, I liked the I liked that it was like it was lime, but it was orange slices for like the vitamin C and yes. stuff. Like I, yes. those little touches were nice. Yeah, it was a fun right. episode. Yeah, right. And and we have a whole baby plot now to look forward to as Bo's pregnant. Yeah, what do you think? Are you excited? Um, I think under most circumstances, I wouldn't be excited. But for this show, I'm actually looking forward to them exploring what this means for them. Yeah. And so I'm looking forward to that and seeing how that plays out. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited, actually. Normally, right. I'm not excited about pregnancy storylines, but this I'm interested in. Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's such a clear, deliberate choice by them yeah. to, you know, shake things up in this way. And they've already had a semi-recent semi conversation about money being more of a concern. So yes. we'll see if that plays into things. Um, I kind of doubt it, but maybe, maybe it will. Uh, but either way, I trust these writers and this this uh, cast, so I'm sure that there will be some entertaining stories ahead. Um, but our last show of the week for comedy is Jane the Virgin Chapter 43. We had, at the end of the episode, the reveal that Ineska has been working with Petra and, and her mom for like a year uh, on some sort of a, a plan, while still, again, being giggly, not e evil-seeming, Aneska, which is a little weird, um, and we also had a lot of uh, we had a lot of Petra v Jane stuff this week, which normally I think is a really great gear for the show. How'd you feel about it this week? Uh, I enjoyed this week's episode mostly for the Rogelio stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Like like you and I have discussed before, anything involving a labor union is kind of catnip for us. Yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> so I enjoyed Rogelio doing what needed to be done, and then realizing the value that his crew offered him in a lot of ways instead of taking them for granted so i'm actually looking forward to seeing how this continues hopefully into next week's episode with uh the network being like oh we're just gonna we're just gonna fire all these people <laughs> and rohelly being like uh yeah i don't want to do that uh this is not a good idea <laughs> i also gotta appreciate cw being like yeah make the make the you know, network the bad guys. Go for it. <laughs> Just like straightforwardly, yeah. not like oh, it's one bad. It's like, like no, it's like oh, network people don't care, which yeah. I thought was interesting. <laughs> right, and I also think it has something to do with the CW's general reputation as a network that they're okay with that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so the rest of the episode I thought was fine. Uh, the reveal that Petra, uh, Petra's mom and sister were working together was kind of like, oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, apparently all evil siblings are working with their mothers or stepsisters. Yeah. <laughs> so not a surprise there. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the episode was fine. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the wedding next week mm-hmm. and see how that plays out. And gosh, Michael's going to die. Yeah. We keep saying this, but Michael's going to die. Well, that way, if it doesn't happen, we'll be super happy. Just think of it that yes, way. Yes, no. Hashtag Team Michael lives forever. <laughs> I also really liked the Rahelia stuff and was, you know, I enjoyed the rest of this episode, but it does, does feel a little bit like a filler episode. We're yeah. kind of waiting to get to the wedding. So we'll, we're getting to the Firework Factory next week, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so what wins your week in comedy and reality? Uh, I'll give it to Black this week. Uh, I just really enjoyed seeing Dre being a really good parent. Um, he he often gets to be a good parent, but this was Dre like next level being a good parent. So I really really enjoyed that aspect of things. Uh, what about you? What did you enjoy this week in comedy or reality? I also really we don't have to, we didn't talk about it this week, but I also really liked um, Fresh Off the Boat and the revelation that you know Jessica can be a fun mom. She just you know. Is, doesn't allow herself to be. That was yeah. fun. I uh, had a lot of fun with Adventure Time because I caught up with last week's adorable Bun Bun episode. It was so cute, guys. Um, and I also got to give some love to Silicon Valley Minor Sagans Haversack just so that I can say Minor Sagans Haversack, uh, which is a fun thing to say, uh, a la Zach Woods in that one scene. It was delightful. So, I mean, I, there was a lot of stuff I caught up with this week. I'm, I guess I'll give it to Silicon Valley. We didn't talk about it, but I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I like the way that they toyed with changing up the whole dynamic of the season and then had it be foiled by tripping over a cord, uh, which was delightful. A nice uh, uh, you know, anticlimax to what should have been like a season-long arc. Uh, so we'll see what happens next. So I, I'll give it to Silicon Valley this week. Okay. Now we'll take a break and come back with our week in genre. This week in genre, we're going to talk a little Steven Universe. That's right, it's back. It's Summer of Steven um, with Super Watermelon Island and Gem Drill. Uh, then we'll move on to The 100, Pervase, uh, Perverse Instantiation, part one uh, of, the, of their finale. Then the, uh, we'll do another DC roundup with The Flash, The Runaway Dinosaur, Arrow, Monument Point, and Legends of Tomorrow, Destiny. Uh, and again, we're going to kind of each have a few minutes there to bullet point our way through those three shows. And then we'll talk about whatever comes up in the those uh in that discussion so first up though steven universe is back and i was so happy to hear the theme song again i've missed this show yes yes uh so we had like a two-part premiere uh part of a much longer summer of steven which is very exciting because it means we get a bunch of episodes all at once well like one a week but still one a week but compared to nothing we have yeah that's true (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, like, when we're used to, like, a Stephen Bob of one a day, it does feel, you know, it, it we're very grateful, very excited. Right. and I think that there's a Stephen Bob somewhere in here. Okay. 
I think that they have one plan. So I mean, okay. that's that, I think I think. Don't hold me to that. This isn't a limitless situation where I'm saying <laughs> that there is a Stephen bomb, but I think that there is one. Anyway, but we get a summer of Stephen, and yay, summer of Stephen. Uh, so we had two very interesting episodes this, to kick things off. I thought uh, one with Mask Island and all the watermelon Stevens, uh, which I kind of forgotten that there was a colony of them. Mm-hmm. I remember that they still were around. I just forgot that there was a colony of them on an island. So that was a nice way to come back to. And that Stephen has a sleeping psychic connection to them. Apparently. I, I love that idea. <laughs> um, so, but I also just really liked the uh, island episode because it bought Jasper and Lapis back. Yeah. Which was really exciting. And I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing how both of them come back into the fold. I mean, Jasper kind of fell off a cliff, um, uh, but we have Lapis still, which is really exciting because Lapis is very near and dear to my heart. I really like Lapis a whole lot. And so what were your thought about the uh, Watermelon Colony Island before we get into the drilling stuff? It got kind of real there for a moment when they're like sacrificing people to the- Yes! Yeah, to Malachite or whatever. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's up for a show for kids. <laughs> Did you not love the whole... It took me a minute to figure out that they were doing not it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. And I, then I just went, oh, this is some dark stuff. And the little watermelon dog also not it. Yeah, no, that was good. Um, And, and like you, like you, I was very excited when they brought back uh, specifically Lapis Lazuli. Uh, and because and, we did, we got to see her interact a lot with Steven, but not really with the other gems. So seeing that dynamic uh, between them should be really interesting. And also, we, I would not be surprised if we got a lot more fusions um, this summer. And so adding another gem into the mix allows for new combinations. So we'll see what happens with that moving forward. But her influence on the other gems could be really interesting if they decide to dive in with that and yeah. uh just in general like it was a badass fight it was it was a really cool fight i think the the addition of the water powers really helped elevate it a lot yeah yeah and it gave and it was just long enough to get some really neat uh, action beats but not so long that it you know got repetitive at all or, or really or fell back on other things we've already seen so they they let each kind of ability shine a little bit and then they wrap things up so I, th I thought on the whole it, it worked well um how'd you feel about the second episode i also really like the second episode if only because steven saying i love you to peridot kind of made me a little teary-eyed mm -hmm. not as teary-eyed as one of the other shows we're going to discuss in this section but uh <laughs> pretty teary-eyed um but i also just like the fact that once again steven is very much about preserving life and I love that this is a show that is about preserving life as opposed to destroying it. Uh, it's a really powerful message for the show to discuss and it gets into kind of the complicated nature of whether or not the gem cluster knows what it's doing, should be punished for doing what it's going to do anyway, even if it's just its nature. And all that sort of really interesting stuff done in a really small amount of time. Uh, and I also enjoyed the episode digging a little bit into how Peridot was feeling about her home world, but also how, and this was something they'd established before the so too long of a break, uh, that Peridot was feeling really integrated into the group and feeling very at home on Earth. So all of that kind of coming to a head in this episode, I thought was really, really great. And I'm also interested in seeing how they end up playing this off again 
because I mean it's more like a holding tactic than it is a permanent solution I think mm -hmm. so I'll, I'll be curious to see if the gem cluster resurfaces somehow oh yeah it's definitely gonna resurface like yeah. absolutely <laughs> and, and and just this discussion of not how do we stop them but how can we help them Yes. Uh, that and of course that's Steven's perspective on it and that's you know there are some of the gems would have thought of that as well but others wouldn't have because they would have been so focused on preservation so having him immediately just like as they're going through the magma want, wanting to find a way to make these gems whole I mean the, the idea of the force fusions is so abhorrent um, it's just viscerally upsetting um, based on the like in the context of this show and nobody has come up with Nobody has even spent any energy on screen trying to help them and trying to figure out what can all they're trying to do is reassemble themselves, but they're all these broken shards of different gems. So even if they find another shard that has one of their shards, it's going to have it's just going to escalate, uh, yeah. you know, in, you know, they're in an exponential growth uh, pattern. So trying to actually help these poor gems that have had this terrible thing done to them. Um, I think that's an important idea to bring up, and I'm glad that it, they brought it up here. It, this is a holding pattern. This is going to buy them time, but hopefully this is a conversation they can have, especially with, with Lapis coming back into the fold and being part of a, not a forced fusion, but a not peaceful and, and not yes. positive fusion. I think she's going to have a different perspective on this maybe than some of the other characters. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm really looking forward to what this might bring. And also, Jasper realized the benefits of fusion, which doesn't bode well for Bodes anyone. Terribly, because Jasper's yeah. just like, "Oh, this is actually kind of great." And right before you broke us up, I had figured out how to overpower the other person I was fused with. So yeah. this may happen again. Um, we'll yeah. see what happens with that. But I think we're both very glad to have Steven Universe back. Yes. Yes. Yay. Yay! Um, our next episode is The Hundred, Perverse Instantiation, um, part one, which is part one of the finale. And I just, again, I already mentioned this with Jane, but I need them to get to the fireworks factory already, which we all know is, uh, you know, Clark getting an infusion of blood uh, from our brain dead commander and taking the flame and talking with Lexa and going to see, like, that's what's going to happen in the finale. And I say that have knowing only a very little about the finale from the set photos that the production was also happy to tweet about. Uh, so that doesn't come from seeing anything new or knowing anything special, guys. That's just in intuition from having watched a lot of television. Um, the other thing I'll say is while the stuff we've been getting with the chipped heroes, basically, our, our protagonists that are, that are chipped, has been really effective, I actually want to give a little shout out to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because they've also been doing like a brainwashing kind of subplot or actually main plot recently. And I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did it way more interestingly, which is to have their he heroine, their, their the most significant heroine on the show, be, <laughs> be, be taken into this collective, but maintain her personality. So she's still her in every way, except that she has been convinced through this brainwashing that the bad guy is right and this is you know so so all her instinct to help people and to do the right thing and to save people is still there she still feels like herself and that makes her willingness to punch her friend in the face when her friend won't listen about how she has to save the world by brainwashing everyone uh all the more powerful so so like if clark's mom was acting like like clark's mom 
as she stabbed her. I think that's way more potent and powerful. And maybe the show's not willing to go there. But um, while this, like, the, the actors have all been doing a really good job of executing this, like, you know, Borg kind of approach, I think that might have been actually even more interesting. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that sounds like an interesting idea, in part because there's elements of those characters still existing with Ali's control. Yeah. But it's not the same because they're still willing to listen to Ali, basically. Raven's the only one who's been like, uh, no, thanks. I'm good. Um, yeah, <laughs> get out. Because Raven's a badass. Because we love Raven. <laughs> right. So I think that there are elements of there, but it's re- it's been really easy for the uh, characters who have taken the key to just become automatons, basically. So it gives the show a place that they basically become puppets who sound like the characters so that they can manipulate the other characters. The Jasper stuff with Monty being a good example of it within this episode. And which reminds me to say, holy hell, the show's just really mean to Monty. <laughs> <sighs> yep. I get I get my mom mom I get my mom back. I shot my mom. I get my friend back. My friend tried to stab me. <laughs> <laughs> I get my mom back again. I have to kill her again. You know? Yeah. 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 All sorts of really fun stuff and I mean, at least he finally got to have sex, I guess. But Yay, his girlfriend's yay. not dead yet. Yeah, yay. yet being the operative word, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Not like a great episode, and it's... I'm just kind of looking forward to this season being over. So yeah. we can move on to the next thing. And hopefully the next thing's better than whatever this was. I've been talking about this a lot with um, Caitlin, who reviews it over at TV.com. And one of the big things that we discussed is how just so plot-heavy this season has become that it hasn't had time to allow any of its characters to breathe, which is something that we were aware of from the start. But it's just become increasingly clear, especially with the whole thing with Luna and the other group. It's just like, oh, they got chipped some? question mark (laughs) yep yep so it's just like hopefully next season they realize that oh right characters in intense situations were the reason we like this show not intense plot situations that our characters just kind of have to slog through yep i absolutely agree um and i do think that i expect it to be actually a really compelling finale next week because they can finally pay off some of this stuff that they've, you know, like, yeah. I expect there to be a conclusion to some of the stuff and probably some hanging threads for next season, but uh, mostly conclusion. And and there's no reason to expect they won't deliver on that. It's just it's taken us too long to get here and it's been too many, especially, again, knowing that we're going to end up with Clark in the City of Light with Lexa in her head, which I don't feel like is a spoiler based on anyone who's listening to this has probably also listened to us talk about, you know, listen to our our Alexa podcast back uh, in March and follows other elements of the show. Like that's a thing that's going to be happen happening based on the, the, you know, public location shooting that they did. Um, right. So I don't feel like that's a massive spoiler. And knowing that that is coming, it just makes this other stuff we've been waiting to get through uh, a lot less interesting. So uh, fingers crossed they deliver something in the finale. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's better than it ha- was earlier in the season, but I, I mean, this has really been, this season could have been really great and they've managed to really screw up some good ideas uh, through their execution all season. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And 
We didn't discuss it. Um, I don't think we discussed it. This just the pipe flashback came too late. <laughs> yeah, just we did not care. Right? Way it came so way too late to start making Pike sympathetic. Oh, Plus, yeah. I mean, Indra or Octavia is going to kill him anyway. I need him to die next week. Yeah, just let me we say kind of need him to die anyway, which is a terrible thing to say after the show has killed so many people of color, and now we're just like, we kind of need Pike to die. <laughs> Yep, and yet, and yet. And yet! Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's move on to our last uh, trio of shows here. We're going to do our DC roundup again. Uh, why don't you lead us off? Noel, okay. uh, I, I will start my timer uh, okay. in just a moment here. What did, have you thought of this week's episodes of the Berlantiverse? And go. All right, so Flash is the episode that really made me cry because anytime Grant Gustin is going to recite a children's book to his dead mom... I'm just going to start crying because he didn't even need to read the book, Kate. He just started saying it and I started crying because it was just anything involving Nora Allen and Barry Allen is an automatic tear fest. So I was just like, I'm going to need you to move on because I'm not going to be able to give you a hug with my little T-Rex arms. (laughs) So, right. So no, but it was also a really good episode in the girder stuff as well. I thought it was just nice enough. And also Iris, holy heck, stepping up in really big ways. Her telling Henry, no, no, I got this. Stepping into the speed force to grab Barry back. Total badass move. Uh, So I really enjoyed that. Uh, Arrow was really good this week up until the very end. And I know we have different opinions on that, so I can't wait to discuss it. But this was a really good action episode because Arrow at the end of the season is always Arrow at its best. It had a heist. It had some really great fight stuff. They brought back Vinnie Jones for no reason, but I don't care because they brought back Vinnie Jones. And so there was a lot of really good stuff in this episode. And then they nuked a city. And I went, no, you don't get to nuke cities anymore, television shows, because I need ramifications for that. And you're not going to give me any of those until maybe next season. But I don't trust you to do that because you barely make Star City a place. (laughs) And yeah, so I got really annoyed at that. Uh, but still, it was a really good episode, and I just kind of also wondered where Kurt Curtis was, because Curtis would have been able to get that ship the entire time. So where was Curtis, guys? Uh, which brings us to Legends of Tomorrow, which you reviewed this week, and I review every week. And it was a really great episode. Aren't you happy you got a really good episode? Um, but there's a larger discussion I think we'll end up having about Wentworth Miller and his new status within the Berlanti verse, as it were. But this was a really good episode that did a lot of really interesting stuff with fate and time and destiny. And it all really started to make the show interesting, even if it did it retroactively. And I don't totally buy them doing it retroactively, but it was still a really fun episode. Everyone had banter and patter. It was really well edited, really well directed this week uh, from a brand new director for the franchise. And yeah, it was just a really, really solid week with minor minor quibbles scattered throughout. And how did I do? Oh, you got plenty of time. Oh, I got plenty of time. You got another 30 seconds, yeah. Oh, no, so it was a really good week, but most of these shows tend to do really well as they head into the finales anyway. And I'm most excited about the Flashes finale because they just seem to be promising comic book goodness with Zoom and an army of metahumans and evil, evil, evil Laurel which I'm actually kind of excited about. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, for for me, the these three episodes really were significant steps up, and I'm going to take my as a thematic approach here. 
all three shows had really great character-based motivations, character motivations for pretty much everybody. Each episode was structured really intelligently. Each episode had a sillier element, a uh, comedic element, and then more dramatic element that they went back and forth between really nicely. Uh, the direction in the episodes was better. Uh, with Flash, I know there was a lot of talk about Kevin Smith directing it, and I don't think there was a lot of visual elements, but I do think the performances from some of the actors were actually a lot looser and it worked yes. a lot better. I have saw some other people talking about that as well, but I mean, um, you already mentioned Iris. I think Candace was particularly confident and, and you know in her zone in this episode i hope they give her more stuff like this to do moving forward because she can be really good in this role when you write her the right stuff uh writers so hopefully that continues moving forward uh both you know all, did all three shows bring back a character we didn't expect um and it's sort of a b plot but it worked really well because that, that happened on flash and that happened uh, on Legends, right? And that happened on on Arrow, too, because we were about yeah. Theo's not boyfriend. And for each three, did not expect that person to show up, but it, it supported the B-plot really nicely. And again, I just some really effective moments in all three. So I agree. I co-signed pretty much everything you said. And uh, for me, just structurally, visually, and character-wise, all three did a much better job this, this week than they have been recently. So... Now let's dive in a little bit with uh, Flash. Okay. One of the best episodes of the season, right? Yeah, no, easily. Um, and Kevin Smith was, like, being very put forward for this episode, but Kevin Smith is also the first to admit that he's not a very good visual director. And so I, uh, I wasn't, like, super impressed with, like, the visual direction of this episode you mentioned like the care you mentioned the actor stuff and i think that that's where his stuff came through a lot more i think that the reason this episode worked in particular uh wasn't so much smith's direction as it was the uh script from zach stintz uh who wrote like x-men first class the first thor movie meaning the best thor movie but really low bar to clear and it was a really really good script that was already in place when smith came on board so it was just one of those happy accidents that he got a really, really good episode to work with. and But yeah, absolutely. One of their best episodes. Um, I am petrified, Kate, and you can weigh in on this, uh, as to whether or not they're going to kill Henry or totally. if they're going to kill Joe and have Henry be a regular... Yeah, no, see, they're Kate's, not allowed to do that, guys. Kate's, Kate's giving me a shock face because that had never crossed her mind. Because they can't do that. That but is crazy Henry talk. Can Henry can adopt both no. the West kids. No. No. See. No. Jesse O'Mar <laughs> is now allowed to not be on the show. I I want both of them to still be on the show because I really like John Wesley Ship. I like the dynamics that Henry being around brings to the show. But yeah, they're totally gonna kill Henry. If no, they're not gonna kill Joe, they're gonna kill Henry. It's. I mean, Yes, John Wesley Ship has been fine, and I, the, there are interesting dynamics they could explore. Not that they really ever have, in my opinion, but they're they're, yeah. they're there if they wanted to. But the, it's a it's a sausage fest over there. They need fewer guys, so they're gonna kill off Henry. Uh, and there's nothing that says I'm gonna kill you off like saying I will never leave you again. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna kill off Henry. Um, and I'm sure it'll be very powerful. But no, they're not. Don't even put that in Universal. They're not allowed to kill Joe. That can't happen. Okay. End of end of discussion. Arrow. <laughs> So our our big discussion is that uh, you were super against the nuke. I am ambivalent on the nuke. Yeah, um, I actually fair. 
Yeah, I kind of like the idea of there being such significant ramifications, but I need them to then deliver and you don't trust that they will, which fair enough. I don't really blame you for that. I like that they, at least for a little bit, are giving some ramifications of Felicity losing her company just in time for Legends of Tomorrow to end and Ray Palmer to come back and be like, no, for reals, guys it's Felicity's company that's my that's my guess I don't know but um t- talk to me about the the nuke you know like if is, is there a way that they can make this work for you if they do give some stakes that's the thing it's just like I don't feel like what stakes can they give it because I mean this was something that based on my like geography of where Arrow is and where Central City is and all this stuff I think it's on like the other side of the country <laughs> it would have to be with Felicity this would have to dramatically change Felicity right. for the and rest of the series the is that this is going to be a Felicity thing, but I kind of need it to be more than a Felicity thing because Mm -hmm. they nuked a U.S. city. (laughs) Yeah. And I need that there to be some sort of larger story world fallout from that because it was just like the U.S. government didn't do anything to stop this and it was left to a bunch of guys in Halloween costumes and some hackers in a data center. (laughs) I need something to happen as a result of this on a much larger scale than Felicity feels really bad that she killed tens of thousands of people to save millions of people. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to the future episode where someone whose family member was in that city comes and hunts her down. Right. Which will happen. Um, So, uh, but however, I do like, the idea that they can't sometimes there isn't an answer and there isn't a good answer yeah. so and i just mm. felt like this was a too big of a way to do not an answer and it was too big of a power up for it was too big of a way to give dark his power up right before yeah. the end well especially so. if they're gonna just have it be like felicity i do love you i'll get back together with you and now ollie has heart and also he gets a pet monkey now to go with because that's what happens when you have the, the power of heart i'm um, glad that we both went for a captain america captain america captain planet well it's uh, the only place one can go uh right. with, with these things um yeah the only other thing i'll mention is the actor in the name escapes me right now who plays Felicity's dad uh, Tom yeah so super fun here and also Fantastic. a lot of fun in the last two episodes of the detour so two very different um villainous but also comedic characters there uh yeah delightful bit of symmetry on my television uh unless you have any further arrow thoughts uh legends of tomorrow i did not know they had this in them yeah i didn't either i mean like it it kept like peeking out throughout the show's run there would be like instances or sequences where you go wow this is a really good show or an episode as a whole where you're just like i see what you want to do you're almost there let's do it and then they go and do something like they did last week where all the characters took really stupid pills and (laughs) we're just like no i'm totally aware that you're manipulating me but i'm going to let you do it anyway it's just like no that's not how any of that works so but this was a like like i said this was an episode from phil clemmer and um fadak uh both of whom worked on chuck and uh Klemler worked on Veronica Mars, and you just kind of see both of those shows' impulses happening in this episode, I think. And the patter, in how they played stakes out, uh, sight gags, like uh, Rip shrinking Ray so he can carry him out. <laughs> carry out as an action a, figure? Yeah. As an action figure. I mean, that was such a great visual gag, and then for them to show it off by having Sarah lug Mick out. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Rip just looks like a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You, you gave some love to the writers. Uh, I got to give some love to the director, uh, whose name I'm about to butcher, and apologies, yeah. sir. But Olatunde uh, Osinsami was the director here, um, Osinsami. And uh, I think he did a really great job. Yeah. Just like the, the, the high, like the very dramatic... Uh, angles he was using super close-ups from time to time it will it all complemented what was a very dramatic script and if yes. the, and if the narrative hadn't earned this it would have been uh distracting over the top and, and not like cheesy and not worked but because there was enough narrative stakes behind what was happening it just all came together really well the score was also rather bombastic and over the top but again because of the visuals dramatic visuals because of the dramatic uh elements like stakes of what was happening i just keep going back to stakes uh it it just came together really effectively and i also think the show like the just the structuring of the episode the first half of the episode they're split up but by the halfway point they're back together and i didn't anticipate that also one of the best things the episode could have done is give kendra a moment of badassery and then stick her in a shuttle with vandal savage to be gone pretty much the rest of the episode carter he's there off screen the entire episode like this this episode is like hmm, who are the characters that are really not working so much Let's leave them off screen. Who are the characters that are more interesting? Let's give them all of the screen time. And let's also give Jack something to do, finally. Oh, come on. And it's not even interesting, though, is the thing. (laughs) But it allows him him to call Martin on some of the stuff he's been doing. It allows it to highlight how much he's grown, even just as a mechanic. His his ease and comfort with the time travel mechanics and everything is enough to impress Stein and enough to, you know, take care of what he needs to do, but not enough to actually have him build a, you know, a functional time drive. Right. Um, so, so I thought they, they threaded the needle there and they also let him be a bit more confident and just forward in the action. And then again, we, they give mixed stuff that's compelling, very personal stuff with, does he become Kronos? They give Rip very personal stuff with, uh, here's everything that you've been doing is a lie and you've been manipulated the entire time. Uh, so you, and we killed your family. So, you know, yeah. like, it was very personal, very high stakes drama, and that's why I think it all came together and worked. And that's also why I'm not confident that the finale will be a good episode. Yeah, um, in no small part because we have to deal with Vandal Savage, but at the same time, we'll get Patrick J. Adams in the finale as his mystery character. Okay. Yeah. Ellipsy. I don't know why that should mean anything. I mean, I, I enjoyed the actor, but I don't know why that yeah. should mean anything to me. Uh, I just, I'm interested in seeing who he is, basically, because they've been teasing this since, like, February. Um, okay. So I'm interested in that. Um, but I'm more interested in the contract deal that they worked out for Wentworth Miller, where yeah. he's a series regular on two shows now, or the entire franchise, basically. And he'll just, like, show up on each, on Flash and Legends of Tomorrow for the most part. But he's just like, yeah, he's just going to show up on both of the shows when they need him to because he signed, like, basically a really narrow talent deal mm-hmm. where he appears on both shows, and but he gets to go off and do other things, which is a really interesting idea because they've been conceiving of Legends of Tomorrow as, like, an anthology series, and they can't... They could reasonably keep a number of these actors, but at the same time, you want these actors to appear on other shows. And this is a really good way to do that because I'm sure they want Victor. I'm sure Victor Garber would also like to do other things. Mm -hmm. And this is a really good way for him to still do all of these shows and still do other things. How do you feel about like this? I mean, this dropped immediately after the episode aired on the West Coast. Deadline had the story as an exclusive. So how do you feel about this idea? I'm intrigued by it more than anything. 
Well, and announcing the news immediately after the episode went up was was huge as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Because as you mentioned, I did I subbed in for Oliver Sava uh, over at the AV Club for this episode, and that really shaped my review. So if the, if we hadn't known that Wentworth Miller, very specifically, they're saying Wentworth Miller, they're not saying this Leonard Snart will be back, but the right. actor will be back, and that leaves them a lot of wiggle room. Um, then, then it would have been a discussion of, I think it works, the death works really, really well in this episode. It does a lot to boost up the finale. Like, it's, it's very satisfying in this episode. Yeah. But Legends of Tomorrow is not worth losing. Like, its season as right. a whole has been kind of crap. So this this season as a whole was not worth losing Captain Cold. But it, knowing that Wentworth Miller will be back and some version of one of this character will be back allows us to really enjoy this episode enjoy the way that they use the character and the the you know the way that he affects everybody else in this cast and then still be excited about the fact that he's coming back so i i think on the whole like the way that they handled all of that they didn't announce it ahead of time to let us really experience the moment as it happened and then they were like just fyi don't worry this is the Berlantiverse. nobody stays dead as you all know and we're not losing one of our best actors exactly promise. yeah so i the i'm really you excited all for tuned it. in in the first place yeah and they also gave him some really great lines. I thought the yes. stuff that they were doing with Snart and Sarah worked really well. Like the me and you and you and me and you was a really great line. Super well delivered. That shouldn't yes. work, but no, Wentworth made it work. Um, uh, I also mentioned this in my review, but Ray and Cupcakes. More of that, please. Yeah, I just want, and I want more of Mick and Ray eating cupcakes together. <laughs> uh-huh. Especially pink fluffy cupcakes. Yeah, no, it, I... I this is what I was talking about when I was just like, you got to see those instances of Chuck and Veronica Mars coming through. Because why would you have a scene with them eating cupcakes? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. But it's so good and it just adds like little bits of fun layering, basically. Knowing that Ray's on a diet makes me like Ray so much more. Nobody on TV is ever on a freaking diet. And all these superheroes have super metabolism, so they don't have to worry about what they eat. But knowing that Ray's like, I would love to just carb out tonight. I've had a really stressful day, but <sighs> need to be a superhero, so I'll take a salad. I mean, I love that. Am I, is this, do you ever think about this? Because it bothers me. Everybody on TV is gorgeous and in perfect shape, and they never work out. Well, I mean, the only other, the only other thing in like that I'll say in defense is that Barry is that thin because his metabolism is really fast. Yes. So he has to consume like 10,000 calories a well, day. And Supergirl 2, you know. Supergirl 2 and, oh, But what yeah. about everybody else on all of those shows? Right. No, like Oliver Queen should be eating like chicken all yeah. the time and Fish, nothing else. chicken, protein yeah. shakes. Yeah. Right. That's all. That's what his diet is. But yet no one seems to eat on these shows. <laughs> well, there's also that. So. Right. And that's the other thing is like no one really eats. And when they do eat, they go to Big Belly Burger, which I know. Yeah. <laughs> that is not where you're getting any of your protein and nutrients, people. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, do you have any other uh, thoughts on, on this episode? Uh, just that I'm actually like I'm more and I said this in my review. I'm actually more interested in season two as a result of this episode than I am in the finale of this season because it's Vandal Savage, blah, blah. I don't care. But the fact that they've finally i think figured out a tone and an approach that works for them makes me feel really good about the potential for next season which is something i even two weeks ago i wouldn't have been saying Mm -hmm. yeah no i i I agree and the teases of thanagar are really interesting and the time masters being do you know about thanagarians 
I, dude, I watched Justice League with you. Oh, right. Okay, sorry. I forgot. <laughs> so, yes, uh, somewhat. That'll be interesting. Um, and just, uh, we also haven't, we, we got to shame them a little bit here. Uh, all those horrible, repetitive storylines, that was because we intended for you to lose all the time. I mean, that is terrible. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very, it's a very cheap way out for them to justify it but i also then immediately go so it was your plan all along for them to go to the wild wild west and hang out hang out with jonah hex for a day yes don't <laughs> question it it was also their plan for a really boring repetitive chemistry free romance between ray and kendra right uh so it's just like yeah show i like the fact that you you wanted us to buy into that and i appreciated that that was the idea I don't, <laughs> but kudos for trying. <laughs> yeah, I don't even give them kudos for trying. No, I was just like, why did I, if, if that was all predetermined, why did I watch those episodes? Fuck you very much is, is <laughs> my approach, but that's me. Okay, so what wins your week in genre null? It's Steven Universe and all his watermelon buddies. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to not give it to Steven Universe, but Blackjack Randall showed back up on Outlander, man. It was <laughs> super intense. Um, hmm. And Crystal was on Orphan Black, but I, I gotta get. I think I gotta give it to Outlander because you already give it to Steven Universe. Um, I'll, I'll spread the love over to to Outlander. So that wraps up our weekend. Oh, and more on that next week, listeners. When we are we're on a, a bit of a schedule today, so next week hopefully I'll, there'll be a little more time. I'll check back in on Outlander. But now we will take a break and come back with our week in drama. Screaming at me, telling me to stop. I won't look back. Well, please forgive me. All the people I forgot. I ain't trying to be selfish. I just want to make it out. Make a change. Leave the shackles. If I stop, they gon' tackle. I don't want to be here no more. Sick of all the struggle. Guns pointing at me. I don't want to be unhappy. But I gotta keep on moving. Keep my feet pumping. If they catch us, then we finish. It's gon' be ugly. I'm on the rampage. Running to a rubber burn. Won't let these bastards fill my casket or another urn. Sprinkle the ashes, man, it's smelling like a cookout. I'ma make this thing black. You be on the lookout. This week in drama, we're going to kick things off with three finales. So much to say. Uh, the elementary finale, A Difference in Kind. Less to say there. But lots to say about the Good Wife finale, End, and the Underground finale, The White Whale. And then we'll round things out with a little talk about The Path, The Shore. But first up is the elementary finale. And this will pretty much wrap up my thoughts here this finale was so eventful that i forgot it had happened when i was looking at my show notes until i saw oh yeah that's right on which is it's at the beginning of the week but still elementary had its finale and moreland holmes is the new moriarty and i don't care yeah no i i feel very much the same way uh and i don't even care that he's just like well i'm taking the job to destroy it and i just went well Okay, I guess, sure, fine, whatever. I, 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 I don't care. My eyes at cannot all. roll any higher, right. more than they just did. I mean, the only, the big thing for this episode for me was the fact that I thought maybe they were going to leave the brownstone for that swank new apartment, and I'm glad they're not because I love the brownstone because it's like we discussed one of the best sets on TV, and then I just like that Sherlock paid his dad the ultimate compliment. In that I don't think that you you have the mind to be a criminal mastermind. And it's just like, 
that's the nicest thing you've ever said to your father. <laughs> and it's actually kind of a compliment. But yeah, it was just a very, oh, right, this, this season's ending. And I don't, there's a lot of interesting things about fathers and legacies within this season. And Genevieve Valentine over at TV Club, like, explored a number of those things throughout her reviews this season. While I wish she was still writing Catwoman, uh, <laughs> um, the comic book. Uh, she's done a really nice job with elementary and she pointed out a number of this thing that was happening, but it was just like, I don't, I don't, I don't care. This season just didn't grab me in any way. And that was really disappointing after this so great last season. And I also just was bummed to see Tony Curran gone. Yeah. That was so quickly. He was so good on defiance. I was really excited for some other show to pick him up and be like, yes, come and play a badass villain on our show. Mm -hmm. And then they just went, oh, no, bullet to the head. Okay, we're done. Yeah. No! (laughs) I will give them credit, though. I loved how how quickly they broached, uh, soundly rejected, and and put to bed the Sherlock guilt uh, at the end of this episode, and him saying, like, I should just leave, and, you know, Joan's like, no, you're being stupid. I mean, no offense, you're not being, you're not being stupid. Uh, I understand where you're coming from, and your feelings are valid, but you're being stupid. No, we're not, yeah. we're not gonna, I'm not leaving you, and we're not gonna be on different continents, or whatever. Yeah. If anything, we need to band together to be even more awesome to counteract your father as he destroys Moriarty's team from inside, whatever. Yeah, because I'm sure Natalie Dormer is really gonna let that happen. Yep, totally that's what will happen. Any other thoughts on the elementary finale, or is it time to talk some Good Wife? Uh, Let's talk about the Good Wife finale. Now, listeners may have already heard you talk about the Good Wife finale on Totally Tubular this week over at TV.com. So we'll try not to repeat too much, but the trouble is I agree with pretty much everything you said over there. I was strongly considering a spotlight of shame for this episode. I'm curious your thoughts. I think that's kind of deserved. I mean... I don't know if I'm offended enough. Right, and First I think that's a fair enough point. But that's, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm on the fence, though. Because, like, I feel like the subtext of a lot of what they do in this finale absolutely deserves it. So this idea that, um, okay, where should we start? Should we start with the ludicrous, like, idea that um, we're going to split up uh, Diane and uh, Gary Cole? Or should we start with the ludicrous idea that this finale should have been all about Peter? Or should we start with this lud- the ludicrous idea that uh, that that Alicia is somehow a terrible person now, when her getting darker has always been part of the show, but her all of a sudden being like she's a villain, which is apparently how the showrunners kind of see her at this point, is absurd. I think we should start with that and just kind of like work our way down, since okay, those other two elements that you met you said are directly connected to Alicia being a villain. So what are, what is the message of their show? Like, if you go from being a stay-at-home uh, wife and and mother to having to st- step up and care for your family, enter the business world, and become a professional, that you will become a villain? Because that's really what it feels like they're saying. I, I, I can totally see that. I, I just, I think that I, my problem with your read is that it's, it doesn't factor in a lot of the other stuff that she does mm-hmm. within the show. So, I mean, it's always been about chipping away at her soul, especially within seasons five, six, and seven. And then an attempt at redemption in season seven that never panned out for a myriad of reasons that the show just isn't capable of exploring at that point. But 
it's just she makes compromised decisions throughout the show. And I think that was the key. is isn't so much that she makes she decides to care for her family or she decides to re-enter the law or anything like that to support her family. It's that she makes compromised decisions for bad reasons. Okay. That I think is the main thing that comes through in this and goes back to this idea of, well, she ends up the show exactly like Peter basically is what they wanted us to feel from that because the slap is that Diane delivers to Alicia is the same slap that Alicia delivered to Peter in the premiere. God, this show, this episode was so obsessed with symmetry that it hurt so much. And I discussed that with totally tubular. So yeah, it was just really frustrating to watch them. Their basic thing that Alicia is now alone because of all these decisions that she's made. And my response to that and it's just, just, I was so angry when I was writing the review that I couldn't get into a lot of the other things that annoyed me about this was that she was still doing this from a perspective of trying to help her family, like you said, and but also trying to help herself in a number of ways, that the show's really heavy feminist bent just gets really lost in all of this, which was, I think, also one of the troubling things that I haven't even discussed anywhere is that the feminist ideology of the show, and this is a show that's actually actively engaged in a feminist discourse. Go back to watch the episodes of Martha's and Caitlin's for a really nice example of how the show discusses it, or basically any plot with Diane. <laughs> and your answer to it is she just has to keep putting on a public face now, and that's not interesting, and it's not a good way to discuss this show that's very much about feminine choice and feminine power. And the end result is that everyone gets screwed when women have power is really the thing that I took away from this finale. Well, Diane gets screwed. Alicia gets screwed. The only one who gets away with anything is Peter. Cause he got a year. He got, he gets a year's probation. Yeah. And I'm going to key into a few words that you said, um, basic and <laughs> the Martha's and Caitlin's and power. And you say, uh, people getting screwed. Like, First of all, she isn't Peter at the end because Peter's basic as hell. Like, he's just, she's a way more interesting character than Peter she has is. ever been. So this idea that, I know, at the but end, she's let's have her... positioned as, like, the yeah. villain now. Oh, no, she is. Like she's, Peter was. She's absolutely positioned to mirror Peter. And why would you want your fa multifaceted protagonist to be positioned to be, like, her completely uninteresting uh, counter male counterpart or, or the uh, Peter why would you want her to be Peter in your finale when Peter is one of the least interesting characters the show has ever ever had that boggles my mind so yeah Peter's basic she's not so I don't understand the writers wanting to make her the new Peter um, second of all Martha's and Caitlin's I thought it was very interesting as we were talking about this it popped into my head that we had the the was she the Martha or the Caitlyn pop up recently? Caitlyn. The Caitlyn pop up in the last yes. few episodes. Underlining this. Divorcing I, her husband. Yeah. Divorcing her husband. Having chosen to stay home and to do and yes. and not do the moral compromises. And yes. that didn't work out. So she gets punished for, for doing. I'm not the taking the route of I'm not going to make moral compromises. I'm going to just do this. I'm going to choose family. I'm going to choose home. I'm going to choose my kid. And that'll make me happy. And it doesn't work out. And she never should have made that choice in the first place. So there, here's somebody, the show's showing uh, another character that doesn't go the Alicia route, that instead tr chooses, you know, personal life over career and over moral compromise. And it punishes her for it. And then at the in the finale, every female character 
on this show, with the exception, I guess, of Grace. Luca. No, Luca. Luca gets screwed too, because don't tell me she's going back to her job with Diane she's after that. Uh, the spinoff, she's totally going back to her job because Diane will realize that Luca was just following no, Alicia's marching But orders. that would never, ever, ever happen. In the real world, correct. But... Yeah, so based on what we've seen, that is not what happens because that's absurd. So you have these, like, there's this notion in this finale that all these powerful women have to tear each other down and pit each other against each other instead of actually doing what makes any sense for their characters. So like this, like it's so anti-feminist or not necessarily anti-feminist, but it's so against what this show has always been and what has been so interesting. It's been interested in these, these characters, specifically the female characters, but all of the characters, yes, they're this and they're that. They're multifaceted, they're dimensional, they are far more interesting than the way that women particularly of a certain age get to be represented on television a lot of the time and this finale just craps all over that and not even like this i mean you wanted you wanted to discuss this particular plot point from last week but god maybe slept with peter i don't believe that for a second but i also but i also don't believe that she would lie about it for a second yes yeah so like i I just no yeah and I mean, we all made the joke that Geneva Pine would never be satisfied because the woman who plays Geneva Pine plays Angelica, right? Yes. Yeah. She plays Angelica in the Hamilton musical, which is why she hasn't been around all of this <laughs> season because she's been really busy killing it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, Geneva wouldn't do that. Yeah. Ever. Ever. For any reason. Yeah. It's like, it's like they, they that, okay, we want to bring her back. We want to have a callback to that character. We want her to be a surprise witness. What can we give her? Well, I know the last time we saw her, she was complaining about being demoted because of racial politics in the on in the governor's office. So clearly after she's been demoted, um, or I guess in the middle of while she was leading a campaign against the governor's office, she was sleeping with Peter this whole time. Are you kidding or, me? Was, no. Or now she's long. lying about it. Right, or something. It was very unclear and symptomatic of why you shouldn't have the show shouldn't have shoved all of this case stuff into the last like four episodes basically yeah because they clearly had a much bigger sprawling plan and just went ah four episodes is fine or why they should have followed the advice of i think it was ron moore or was it damon lindelof who came into the writer's room when they were having trouble breaking the either lost or battlestar finale and said it's about the characters stupid so don't don't look at what you want your framework to be oh we have to have a a a slap of alicia and we can't have a man hitter so it has to be a woman and so i guess it has to be diane how can we reverse engineer diane slapping alicia in the finale instead say these are what our character who our characters are these are what they would do and how they would behave so let's be true to that right and it's not even the it's it's just it's both being true to the characters but it's also the fact that alicia and diane have barely spoken to one another all season the idea that their relationship was strong enough that this betrayal would cause diane to seek her out to slap her is kind of ridiculous and I always had kind of trouble with Diane and Alicia as a mentor-mentee relationship because that was actually not what the show set them up because it was always Carrie and Diane as the mentor-mentee. If you go back to season one, there's clear parallels between how Alicia and Will treat the law as a profession and how Diane and Carrie treat the law as a profession. And then the show just went, eh, no. But it's just, I, they just never spend enough time together for me to really buy into, 
Diane's all bygones, bygones, and to and draw let's an al- start yeah. our firm together. It'll be Lockhart Floric, right? In, like out of nowhere, and then yeah. out of nowhere, second floor, and then out of nowhere, slap to the face. I mean, now we have to get to like. I'm sorry, Kurt would never cheat on her. First of all, second nope. of all, we already know that Kurt had a pre-existing relationship with his his protege back yeah. like when he and Diane started to get serious. This was something that came up. There was some insecurity about it. They dealt with it. So this yeah. idea that that either they had an affair because they just said affair, but that doesn't have to mean cheated on your husband that, or your wife. That can just mean had a sexual relationship, and that's how they're used. That's the word they're using. That could be the case. But then Diane wouldn't care. Yeah, and it's not relevant. So it seems like they're trying to show us, like, well, you know, you know how we were so happy for Kurt and Diane. Well, we shouldn't have been because it was a lie. Because why would anybody want a powerful, uh, independent woman like Diane when they could have Me- Megan Hilty? And also, Kurt's never had an issue with it. Ever. Ever. He, in fact, that's like probably his favorite thing about Diane. Let's be honest yeah. here, is that she challenges him, that she is willing to stand up for herself and say what she needs and what she wants. Diane's always been very clear about these sorts of things. And also, I mean, Diane and Kurt were basically like the one relationship on the show, aside from like non-platonic, non-familial relationship on this show that I was heavily invested in because all mm-hmm. my other ones had been co- like collapsed. <laughs> well, or it just feeds into this notion that if you're a powerful woman, you can't have a functional, happy personal life because yeah. none of the women on the show do. Yeah. Which leads us to, I guess the last thing that we should discuss with this is how did you feel about the will figments? <laughs> um, I actually was kind of okay with them just because those scenes individually worked really well. And, um, I mean, the, sh- the show really glosses over a lot of stuff with that, and specifically the ethics. It's like, ah, ethics, whatever. It's like, but that is a very Will thing to say. Yes. Uh, Alicia not, because of course Alicia's having conversation with herself. So Alicia being willing to glide over the ethics is a big red flag for, you know, that's not what she ever would have done a few years ago. Yeah, um, a few years ago. But now. I, also, I also don't necessarily give the show the credit of thinking about that in, in context of this. I think they just wanted to sk- skate past that to get to the next plot point um but i mean josh charles uh, is really great on the show and so uh, i i was very surprised when he came back i had somehow not heard of that casting news and didn't oh, keep yeah. my eyes open for the the guest star <laughs> list at the top of the episode um so that was really effective for me uh but like all this build up with him about uh jason and then jason is just sort of not there so that they can make a point about her being alone which, again, doesn't match any of the character stuff we've seen for weeks now. Uh, it's just, again, it's just really frustrating. And it, it smacks of, once again, them going for a finale, they uh, like a final scene or an image they had in their mind rather than what made sense for the legwork they had previously done. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, a lot of the Will stuff, I thought he was just, I knew he was coming back for this episode. There had been rumors that he, Josh Charles was coming back. But I figured he was just going to pop up for the little wine handing mm-hmm. stuff. I wasn't expecting him to do a whole decision tree episode where he's just like, here's how the law works. And you know what? I'm I'm dead. I'm okay. I want you to move on. And also, screw Peter. Because, of course, Will would say that because Will hates Peter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. 
But it's also Alicia talking to herself, so it's just Alicia allowing the figment of her dead lover to say, go be with that other guy. It's okay. And she's like, no, this is a terrible way to give us insight into a character's mental space that you historically have not given us. Mm-hmm. You've given us memory pops and that you a technique that you then abandoned, but was really effective. But then to do this, and it's just like, no, I don't I don't buy it. It doesn't work for me. And it's kind of weird and creepy mm-hmm. that she needs permission from her dead lover to go be with the other guy. <laughs> well, and you know what would have been awesome if they had had it in there? Because it just occurs to me they could have. This is something KKU, uh, Kayla Kamari Upadja, uh mentioned on Twitter. Uh, and they totally could have filmed this because they could have filmed just Alicia's point of view and Juliana Margulies wouldn't have had to be there. But imagine if they had gotten just a quick shot, a couple second shot of Archie Punjabi with a couple shot glasses of tequila. The camera turning around and, and Kalinda's there. And that's what if she was coming home to her best friend. Like, how awesome would that have been, too? And that could have added a new context to it. It's not just defining who she wants to spend time with with by these romantic interests. Because let's be honest, Peter's not a romantic interest for her at this point. Just yeah. sort of like a collaborator um, and a partner. Uh, and it would have sort of, I don't know. I think I think that would have been more, again, more true to the characters. But they were never going to they were never going to do that. I don't know. No, and Ar- Ar- I don't think Archie Panjabi would have come back for that either. <laughs> they would have had to back, you know, like load a Brinks truck, you know, back a Brinks truck up to her. Uh, yeah, but it still would have been cool. Headcanon, headcanon. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts about uh, about this finale? I mean, I, I think it's safe to say we're both overall fans of The Good Wife. Yes. And a bad finale or in a bad last stretch of episodes, for me at least, doesn't outweigh what has been one of the best network shows of the past 10 years, I would say. Oh, um, how dare you use that qualifier network show? Shame on thou. Yeah, well, because I, I don't know that I would say that it was one of the best shows of the past 10 years, but I would oh, say it was gosh, one of the best network shows of the past 10 years. There's no, been a I lot would... of shows. There have been, but I also refuse to buy into that whole cable superiority complex type of thing. And for me, like, The Good Wife came in and at the beginning of uh, that whole Eric Scare quotes Golden Age of Television stuff, and it's, for me, the last, the last dying grasp of that error as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it just, it definitely was one of the best shows of the past 10 years, full stop, no qualifiers. Okay. And all yeah. I'll say is I also don't think that being on cable inherently makes shows better. But yeah. when I look at my list of the top 20 shows that we've done on the Televerse for the past several years, without that bias, at least I don't think I have that bias, I have overwhelmingly had way more cable shows than network shows. So I don't know what to tell you, Noel, but for me... There's just so many more restrictions on networks, so many more hurdles they have to overcome that I think there's a element there. But I respect your opinion. I respect you, your lack of a qualifier and agree to disagree, I guess, on this point. But future DVD shelf? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If someone wants to tackle it, let us know. I think we need a little gap for a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Oh, but, no. We need a gap. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could certainly revisit me some, some quality season what one through five and a half 
one through three, skip the first half of season four, and then do the second half of season four all the way through season five. <laughs> and part of season six, parts of season yeah, six. Yeah, some of season six, yeah. Yeah, anyways. Um, to be continued down the line, should we do a DVD shelf? But now let's talk about the finale for Underground, The White Whale. And some of what we anticipated came true. I was, uh, some of it, uh, though, I was surprised by, very glad uh, we did go back to Macon. Uh, I didn't anticipate, we didn't necessarily anticipate that, but who? I was glad we got to see Ernestine again. I was too, but you know what I'm more excited about? Action hero Harriet Tubman is what I'm more excited about. <laughs> you have no idea. I, I was just like doing a little happy dance when that was happening. When I was watching, I was like, as soon as we saw the outline, I was like, oh, it's going to be Harriet Tubman. It's going to be Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I, I was just like, they gave us... Kate, they gave us an Avengers stinger, basically. Yep. And it was Harriet Tubman recruiting Rosalie into the Underground Railroad. And I just went, yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, well, I'm very excited about that. More seriously, um, yes, I was very glad that we went to Macon. And I was also shocked at how Macon played out. Mm-hmm. I just went, whoa! <laughs> I mean, this was an episode that was, A, just a really, really great finale overall. But, B, it was also an episode that was just filled with a number of, like, really good moments for a number of characters. So we had Ernestine with um, Tom. Sure. Reed Diamond. Reed Diamond. I'm just going to say Reed Diamond. Tom's not right, but Reed Diamond. And so that was just really potent and powerful. And then was immediately Ernestine is being carted off to the slave block. And it's just like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's such really good reversal stuff. And I love the scene in the carriage with uh, Reed Diamond's wife <laughs> being like, no, I didn't have a problem with any of this. I just had a problem with you, my kids liking you more. So you got to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but then also the use of the Fugitive Slave Act. <laughs> Yep. To kill their to kill the marshal and they set up the marshal so that it all worked out. That was just perfect, like heist double cross con stuff that had been such a huge part of the show, like in the middle. Mm-hmm. And to have it really come full circle here in the finale, I was really, really happy about. And I really enjoyed how that played out. And I enjoyed Mark Lucas getting to just strangle the guy in the hole, basically. He he went full Giles. Yes, he yes, he did. He went full Giles. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, though I will say the, the Fugitive Slave Act um, line there would have been way more impactful to me if they hadn't thrown his body in the river, but if they had, like, set it up at his house so that he could use that to, like, get away with it, you know, and, like, have it be not just a thing he's telling this guy to fuck with him before he kills him and then hides the body forever. Um, yeah. But, you know, whatever. Uh, it was a very satisfying moment. I think we can both agree. And I, I also really enjoyed Elizabeth being involved in dumping the body of that son of a bitch. Because uh, she gets to enjoy that, too. Just a little bit. Um, them leaving Chris Maloney alive so he can be in season two and cause problems was very irritating. I was actually really hoping Elizabeth was going to shoot him. Yeah. Um, and then she didn't. And then I was really I was really hoping that Rosalie was going to finish the job. Yep. <laughs> that she started. <laughs> But that's that's uh, that's that's TV stupidity where they need to be stupid so that they can have co- plot complications in season two, and that's the because he's the only one who knows about uh, you know that couple's involvement, the white couple's involvement in the underground railroad, and so of course that's going to come up again next season. 
Um, so I'm not looking forward to that. But I did appreciate, though, that we don't really get resolution to the other characters. So we have Noah's in jail. Kato is alive. Kato's yes. alive! So exciting. With um, a bunch of money. Yeah, and you know he'll make good use of that. Um, yes. And Steen is off who knows where. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think it really sets up a lot of potential for next season. And, right. you know, they could just not go back to Macon for quite a while because they don't need to. Because yeah. James, we could just pick up with James when the moment is right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that family when the moment is right. But we're going to follow instead Noah, Cato, Steen, and of course Rosalie is going to be, I think, yeah. our central figure next season. And I think all that is just a really great setup. Because I know we were wondering what is season two going to be. I was especially, and I feel much more confident about a season two now than I was yeah. before. And I also loved... Um, was this her first appearance, the redhead woman? Yes. Yeah, okay. I really enjoyed, like, the sudden shift in dynamics she brought on. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping she recurs a lot more next season. Because yeah. I like that type of mentality and energy that she brought to the proceedings. Yeah, I enjoyed that actress. Uh, I have I first noticed her Where was on... she from? Well, I've, I, I know her from, very specifically, Angel. Guys will be guys when Wesley... She, her character is dating Wesley for a while and, and he goes undercover as Angel. It's like a whole thing. Um, but uh, I think the character name was Virginia or something like that. But um, I since then, I've whenever she pops up, I go, oh, it's her. She's really good. So I think this is a very different kind of character from what I usually see her playing. And I look forward to, you know, that. Even just like, again, I appreciate seeing women without a bunch of makeup in this time period because, right. you know, that's what it should be. And pants, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is nice. great. Why not, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think there's a lot of potential for this next season, but it's been a really strong first season. Not, I, I wouldn't say it's like Jane season one level, but I do think uh, towards the end here, it really picked up and gathered steam. And I hope people will have taken advantage of that marathon that we referenced last week and caught up with the show or take advantage of the off season, catch yeah. up with this one and come back for season two. Yeah. Uh, yes, do that. Absolutely. Uh, just really, really solid stuff. And I think one of the other things is that that I really liked about Underground is that it didn't, it wasn't, it decided to not be a message show, but still incorporate yeah. an ideology and a perspective through the use of basically doing a caper film, mm-hmm. um, a caper narrative, I should say, and finding ways to incorporate all that stuff. So like Noah's discussion of what he wants in the Marshall's office is as explicit as they get apart from the, um, the obvious lynching at uh, the um, the uh, the candidacy announcement, but it was just one of those things where this was a show that was very explicit about what it wanted to say, but did it through a genre, which I really like when shows do. Yeah, that's what we that's what we yeah. go to genre for that, and yes. you know, period pieces and explosions and dragons. Yes. Uh, these are all things we appreciate uh, period you know genre for. But again. Um, being able to say, yeah, audience, this happened yeah. without turning into um, a soapbox uh, too much, or at least not in a negative way there, you know, yeah. enjoy your soapbox, you know, someone should be up there. Uh, right. But, but again, handling this in a way that never puts the characters as secondary. Correct. And I think that's really crucial to the success of the show and yeah. to my full throated support of it uh, and willingness to go proselytize for it over the off season. But uh, any final thoughts on underground? Just Harriet Tubman action hero season two. I can't wait. <laughs> any any dream casting or an unknown an unknown to us? 
Um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head, but I mean, I hope that the, I just want someone who really, if they hadn't already used the woman who played, uh, I was gonna Pearly say, if they, May, if they hadn't used Pearly May, <laughs> if they hadn't used the woman who played Pearly May, obviously it would have been her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, I'm not sure if I can think of anyone off the top of my head, but I'm looking forward to whatever they're going to do with it. I'm yeah. excited. I hope it's one of those character actors that we really appreciate who hasn't gotten a meaty enough role yet, as opposed to like a big name. That's yeah. what I would that's what I would love to see. But who knows? I'm sure they, they did a really great job casting season one. So yes. uh, on the whole. So I am sure they'll do a great job with that, too. And the line, I can't imagine like all the people who watched that episode and then called their agents immediately said, I have to play Harry Tubman. Like, <laughs> I just like. I can't wait to see what they do. Okay, uh, our last show for the weekend drama is The Path. And uh, this one I wanted to mention, because in my review I mentioned this as well. This is uh, directed by Roxanne Dawson, who coming off of my weekend, this past weekend at the Star Trek, people know her as Bolana Torres on Voyager. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I thought she did a wonderful job. I thought this was a beautiful episode yes. of the show. And one of their, and not for me one of the best, but um, just visually and a very quiet and contemplative episode. I really enjoyed it. What, what did you think of the shore? Uh, I, I agree in that it was a very visually lush episode. Uh, from uh, Eddie's, like, walk with Hawk um, had a number of really nice shots, particularly once they got to Coney Island. Um, but then, like, Ashley's dream sequence mm -hmm. uh, was just really compelling stuff. You said Ashley? You mean Sarah? I mean Sarah, yes. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, no, Sarah's dream sequence was really compelling. Um, and what was the other thing? All the stuff with Cal and his, like, crawls through woods and mm -hmm. just... Him like being like mist, rock, you know? Yes, right. All of it. It was all really good, mm. and it just looked really visually compelling. Um, just narratively, this episode wasn't there for me in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Um, and yeah, I just wasn't like into the episode as much as I had been before, apart from the visuals, and apart from the fact that I'm actually really amused that Hawk and Eddie are doing the walk because <laughs> yeah. I was not expecting the show to actually make them do that and then they <laughs> made them do that and i kind of like it yeah they start out doing the walk physically and then they end up doing the walk emotionally and psychologically and spiritually and that is so so great i, I just the, the hawk and eddie bonding scenes are wonderful and him you know hawk really opening up about ashley and eddie getting it i think is yeah. lovely how quickly eddie falls back into like the the prayer the Christian prayer at the end and Hawk seeing that and reacting to that and like fuzzily in the background, I thought was really yeah. interesting. So there, there's a lot of really great stuff with the two of them um, here. And, and the, the location shooting at Coney Island was just lovely. The stuff yeah. on the beach. Gorgeous. Was that um, his, who was that? Was that his brother? That I, we I, that's gotta be his brother, right? Okay. Okay. I was, I was, I wasn't sure if we had missed, if I had missed something, cause it's entirely possible. Uh, but, and I figured you would know since you're reviewing and have to pay much closer attention to it than <laughs> I do. Uh, but I assumed it was his brother or yeah. something, but I, I, I thought it was, but then I didn't know for sure. So he's I gotta be like very hungry, very exhausted. So with all that flood of memories, I'm not surprised that he would be hallucinating his brother. So yeah, uh, that, that was, there were some really, again, I think Aaron Paul was the standout this episode. Um, Aaron Paul and uh, Emily, I uh, know Mary Greenwell, I think who's playing uh, Mary, I think was also really good here. Yeah. Um, the dream I thought was great. The one caveat I had about this, and I mentioned this in my review is that um, 
Pachamama doesn't have snakes for hair, guys. Yeah, that was that was or red eyes. Like Pachamama usually is not represented like so literally as a person. Um, and I, obviously, I'm not a scholar of Andean culture and religion, but I mean, I know enough to know that usually it's more like she's a mountain. Um, and so that was kind of weird to me. I mean, it looked really, don't get me wrong. It looked awesome. And, yeah. and I actually, as that was happening, um, I like paused my screener and then went and spent like half an hour trying to figure out which Andean figure she was supposed to be. Cause it was like Andean Medusa. Okay. I, I don't, that's not ringing any bells. Let me do some research. What is this? And, and I should have just watched the rest of the episode. Cause I, I figured they were going to tell me eventually, but I was impatient, um, and I never would have gotten to Pachamama because that's not what Pachamama looks like. So I'm a little leery about that. Um, I feel like if you're going to represent this culture so specifically, maybe be a little bit more honest and or a little more uh, authentic to what it is. Uh, did that bother you at all, or is that just because I have a really specific connection to Peru? So I don't know if that's right. just well, me. Well, I think also one one of the things to consider with this and this isn't an this is me probably giving the show too much credit um or possibly reading into the show too much is the fact that it's entirely possible that there's a degree of appropriation happening within Meyerism mm -hmm. and that they're perverting for want of a better word totems and deities and figures from with other religions to suit their purposes mm -hmm. and so you discussed the nature of the headdresses in early on in the season and how those were woefully inaccurate mm -hmm. and so this could be another example of a willful inaccuracy for their own ends within the show but the show also hasn't addressed any of that and without Katniss or uh, the woman who's co-running it with him oh Katims or Jessica Goldberg yes uh discussing it it's basically we kind of have to assume that they're getting it wrong by just sheer lack of research unless someone says otherwise or just but, opting for it looks really cool and yes. it's very visually striking which is fine to a certain degree but not really anymore when you can just do the research mm -hmm. so yeah. eh, i don't th i don't think that you're picking at a nit or being unreasonable in your expectations but I think that this is an instance where the show or the writers behind the show need to say, we're doing X, Y, and Z. Or mm -hmm. we just decided to say, screw it, and we're going to do what we want. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we'll see what, what happens with that moving forward. Um, it just snakes have a very specific role in Andean mythology and and you know, religion and culture and all that. And it's very different than it is in any of the, like the Judeo Christian kind of like garden of evil, uh, garden of Eden and serpent kind of thing. It's very different. Um, so we'll see if they're aware of that on the show moving forward. I would like to think that they will be, but I am skeptical at best based on Eddie's vision. And now Sarah's um, just don't bring it up. If you're not going to do something with it, don't bring it up. So hopefully they're going to do something with this. Um, but I, I still thought the vision, like her dream was really effective and really cool and a neat thing element to add in. Um, any other thoughts on this episode for you? Yes. One last thought that I need you to address for me. And I tweeted this at you. <laughs> you need to explain the snowy owl to me, Kate, because obviously <laughs> there was some degree of symbolism that I was not getting. I felt like it was an AP lit all over again. And Mr. Jackson, who was my AP Lit teacher, was just like, all right, 
So what did the snowy owl mean? And all of us just stared at one another, trying to figure out what the snowy owl meant, and we all had no idea. <laughs> well, the only thing I have for that is, besides obvious ideas of it's a white uh, white owl with flecks of black in there, so a pure spirit weighed down by flecks of evil, or, you know, whatever, if you want to go with that. And bird imagery, there's some, you know, like changing of times but usually those are birds in flight um i really i just think it's as simple as silas is a bird guy i mean his voicemail is like send a pigeon and he had the feathers and and stuff like i honestly just think it's cal seeing this really striking snowy owl staring at him as he buries silas and just can't help he can't help but feel like he's being watched and he's being judged by this totem of of Silas, and of course, then he sees the Pachamama figurine later, carved by Silas, and uh, like like in the figurine when it's wrapped has a feather on it um, mm-hmm. to show that it's from Silas. Like so, I, I think it's just Silas is a bird dude, <laughs> and uh, no, if there's more. I think that's- I think that's a perfectly fine read. Like, your explanation of it makes a great deal of sense. And I think that that answer probably would have satisfied Mr. Jackson. But he was also kind of a hard ass. Uh, great teacher. And I'm sure he's not listening to this. That's but, the best kind, though. I've got to say. Right. No, he's yeah. great. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that then wraps up our week in, in drama. And I say this knowing the answer. Noel, what wins your week in drama? It was it was underground, hands down. Uh, best thing I watched this week, even though I'm really excited to watch the scandal finale, but I didn't have time to watch it uh, this week yet. But I'm excited about it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was underground. Uh, so I'm assuming it was the same for you, unless there was oh, yeah. some drama show. It was so clearly, I mean, The Americans is really good, as it always is, don't get me wrong, but I can't give it to the American I can give it to the Americans next week I can't give it to underground this week next week so I'm giving it to underground uh the white whale and yeah really so excited for what season two might bring yeah if this is like the season one imagine what like them in at a new gear could be if they right. if they take the leap um, anyways, a few show notes here at the end. You can find a post for this episode up at theteleverse.org, the website for the podcast. You can email theteleverse at gmail.com to reach out to us. You can find us on Stitcher and leave a rating or review there. You can find us in Google Play Music. You can find us on iTunes, leave a rating or review there. We would very much appreciate it again. Uh, if you can rate or review us at these different sites, it does help other people find the show. It helps raise the profile of the podcast just a little bit. And we, you know, we just like getting feedback. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, ashamed to say that. I... I I am overly uh, swayed by feedback. I shouldn't care as much as I do. I'm trying to care less. I think you're doing an awesome job. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, See, there we go. (laughs) We'll boost the rest of my (laughs) evening. (laughs) And Noel, you're wonderful, of course. Thank you. See, that's the thing. I assume that you know, but if I don't tell you, how are you to know? Now that we've got the shameless beg for for praise out of the way, uh, you can also (laughs) find us on Facebook and like the page and start up a conversation over there. Uh, You can leave a comment at the website. Like I said, we got some comments uh, the past few episodes, so thank you guys. Um, We'll talk about those in in the um, intro next week. Actually, maybe two weeks because we'll have a lot of upfronts next week but soon Um, yeah (laughs) and of course you can find us both uh on twitter i am at the televerse and noel you are at noel rk and uh you can find my writing over at tv.com last week of well not the last week but last the final weeks of berlanti dc comics 
televerse, televerse, television <laughs> writing uh, to be done. I'm so glad. I'm so looking forward to a break. And where can readers find your work, Kate? You can find my work at the AV Club, where you can find my reviews of The Path and Veep and this past week, Legends of Tomorrow. I like. I seriously can't believe they had the best episode of the series or the season. And I, I that got to be the one that I wrote about, and not like last week's unfortunate adventure. Oliver um, has to be so upset. I just, I, you know, bank error in my favor. I'm just going to yeah. take it. Thank you, the universe, for being kind. Um, but that wraps up our, our episode here this week. And again, look in your feed for, instead of the DVD shelf, for our uh, the audio from the Star Trek Celebration Fantasy Crew draft um, for the second half of this week's episode. But thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse. Mm-hmm.